1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
2: The
3: score! Score!
2: We have eight on the shot clock, 14 seconds left. Lakers come back after losing to the Clips two nights ago. And they're going to come away with a win. Split the season series Meantime, for the Bulls they lose their first two games of three straight on the road out west and they head to the Pacific Northwest trying to uh, stop a mini two game slide. So the final here in Los Angeles Lakers 141 and the Bulls 132.
3: When you give up more than 70 points in each of the halves that you play, you're probably not going to win many basketball games.
4: That adds up to a lot of points.
3: Last night, it added up to 141 points for the Lakers as they beat the Bulls 141 to 132.
4: Lake Show back!
3: I don't ordinarily do the thing of being upset that games are on late when they're on the West Coast. That's usually Dan's bit. But it happened to me last night. Like, I'm coming back from the Remy event, and I'm, I'm in the car, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm excited to get home because I wanted to watch the end of LSU South Carolina, which, by the way, was an incredible game. And and it led to a really good, like, can I just be proud of dumb men for a second, Layla?
4: Of course, okay. yeah. Let's be proud. of I, You know I said support more in 24.
3: I was really happy because I posted something about the LSU-South Carolina game last night, which was crackling. It was good. And in my thread, it it was like a a long thread of people jumping in talking about women's college basketball. And I was going to do this thing, but I kind of felt like it was kind of demeaning to women's college basketball. But I would venture to guess that your average male sports fan can name at least one of the women that were playing last night in that game, but not name anyone on DePaul's roster, on men's roster.
4: I I agree with that.
3: So it was just cool. Like, Big Ant jumped in because we were talking about LSU and South Carolina, and then he jumped in talking about Caitlin Clark, and then someone else asked about how do you think Iowa matches up, and I was talking about you know how how Cody McMahon put 33 on Iowa in the overtime game, and it was just a cool threat. It really does show you the impact over the last five years that women's college basketball has had because people are now moving, I think, kind of slowly towards – it's, it's its own entity, and it's cool, and it's fun. I'm such a fan of Dawn Staley. Like, I just love her. And seeing the contrast last night with Kim Mulkey and her, Kim Mulkey was losing her mind so much that she got warned by the referee, and they almost never capture that in a game. But the referee looked over at her and was like, hey, next time you say something, you're getting teed up. Oh,
4: she was – exceptionally out of pocket during the women's final four.
3: She was out of pocket she, last night. She I mean, made some she, huge she co- coaching the, mistakes last she night. She
4: walks onto the court. Like, she's daring them to tell her to say something. She's pushing the boundary.
3: But it was, so anyway, to get back to the whole point of this, and people are already texting in, like people that they know, absolutely. Like Angel Reese or Anisa Morrow, who transferred from DePaul. They still haven't quite figured out how to use her yet. Like,
4: Which is baffling because she's so like
3: she's, she's really good. She
4: is a double double machine. So so
3: it's funny because Anthony and I were kind of going back and forth and I think in a double really
2: double machine
3: good way last night. We were talking about like the matchups and stuff, but it's it's like Caitlin Clark is such an equalizer, man. But Kim Mulkey to me has so much talent on that LSU squad that she hasn't figured out how to make it mesh. And I think that she looks at Haley Van Lith and sees herself, so she's trying to turn Haley Van Lith into like a dominating point guard. Where I think that Haley Van Lith would be better off the ball because that's like she was a, also a star, and she got all these stars on one team, and they're trying to make it work. It'll work by March, like they'll get it together. But it's it's interesting, like kind of watching it. And now South Carolina's got some shooters, and that's all they were missing because they dominate the paint. And now they got shooters, and it's a problem because Dawn it,
5: knows how to coach. Weren't they, when Iowa upset them last year, were they just leaving that point guard, like, wide open? Right. Because they knew she couldn't hit a three? Correct.
4: I mean, that's that's the ideal game plan, right? Like, let your, let your worst shooter be open if you're the opposing team. How,
3: how about Dawn being like, oh, that's something that we need. Let me go get that. It's amazing how that goes with like coaching where like we don't have that. Let me go get that. Now we have that along with the other stuff that we have.
4: Yeah, I mean, you can do that in the college game. Sure. A little more difficult in the pros. It is.
3: In some cases. Um. So anyway, I watched the game and I was amped up. Like I'm like, oh, yeah, like this is exactly how my nights usually go when I'm watching sports. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I have to wait. another 45 minutes for this Bulls game to start
5: tonight. This is why I told you you need to watch the Western Illinois game. Would have taken you right up to tip.
3: Western had it covered. I didn't need to watch them. We knew the leathernecks were coming
4: through.
5: It was a tough game, but they got there. They got the dub. See? So then we get to the Bulls game.
4: I was intrigued by the Bulls and Lakers game because both of them are fighting to get back to 500. And... The Lakers are a team that uh, saw their own demise later after they won and raised the banner for the in-season tournament, and then things started to fray. So I felt like, okay, this is a good measuring stick for all involved, especially when you consider the fact that one of these teams might want Zach Levine, who doesn't already have him yet. So I was uh, looking forward to seeing how that went, but just a lot of Common sins were committed when it came to how the Bulls played. Turnovers, I don't know how Vooch doesn't score earlier in that game. That was baffling to me. And uh, just a lot of typical Bulls problems this season and last season being on display last night.
3: They did not do a good job. I mean, it's hard to guard LeBron at any point in his career, but LeBron murdered them in the post last night. He was backing guys down and then finding cutters. He was backing guys down and finding three-point shooters. He was backing guys down, spin-moving baseline and going and finishing at the rim. He was backing guys down and then throwing lobs to Anthony Davis. He played an incredible game last night. had 12 assists in the game last night, and they were getting up and down. D'Angelo Russell, the Bulls couldn't really do anything against him last night. He, he, they have four players score 20 or more, and then another player who scored, I think, 19. That, that's a lot of offensive production that the Bulls were giving up. Now, our buddy, Will Purdue, he, he, he talked about this a little bit. He,
4: Will, I think, narrated a problem that we're seeing with the Bulls after long breaks. He was the narrator of this movie gone bad.
0: You truly felt, even with LeBron playing, this was a game that they really had a solid opportunity to win. I thought so. Especially after having a day off after Phoenix. I mean, they played the Phoenix Suns and immediately flew to L.A. Had Tuesday off, had practice on Wednesday. You figure they kind of, you know, figure a couple things out and they, you expect them to come out firing on all cylinders. And that's the only thing that, that bothers me is, is just, yes, they were flat, but why? Because I'm curious, what's their explanation on why they were flat when, it went to me, because of how they lost game against Monday against the Suns, they really needed to win, just to kind of give themselves some momentum going into Portland. Now, you want all this pressure going against a young Portland team that has nothing to lose right. on, a, right. on a road trip? Right. Yeah. You're, You're basically now trying to salvage one game on a road trip. One game. Yeah. Yeah. There were opportunities to play better and to win some games on this road trip, and they haven't uh, capitalized on those opportunities. Like you said, they put their backs against the wall against the young Portland Trailblazers team. All right, D'Angelo Russell is our player of the game.
3: That was last night on NBC Sports Chicago. Here's the weird thing about where the Bulls are. I don't think that they're in any danger of falling out of the play in. When I look at the Nets, the Raptors, the Hornets, the Wizards, the Pistons, obviously. The Bulls are way better than them. They're going to be in the play-in. I don't know if the, I I don't think that that's satisfying for anyone that that's the case that they're they're going to be in the play-in again.
4: No, that's not what they wanted. That's they, not what this they, was supposed to be. That's absolutely not what it's supposed to be and have you seen the discourse running around the internet streets about how few moves Arturis Karnashovas and Mark Eversley have made not just for the Bulls but just historically like they're they're not big trade heavy people. I found that kind of interesting as well. Like they they just since they start with the Bulls, they have not made a lot of mid-season trades, they haven't done a lot of transactions like that. That's not really what they're doing. And so there's a, a percolating energy about trying to figure out if they finally do make some moves because it's been counter behavioral to what we've seen so far. The other thing that I wanted to point out about this game last night, speaking of uh, post-game, you see the tweet from our friend Bulldog, Kevin Anderson? No, what do you say? It's bad. The Lakers' three-point shooting was stupid last night. Mm -hmm. They tied the third-highest three-point percentage shooting in NBA's history in a single game. They were up to 64.5%, and you had to take at least 30 attempts. That's disgusting. Where's the perimeter defense? And that's something that has been a problem on this team going back to last year. They ended up, they finished the game at 64.5% from three. They were 20 for 31. That is not good. If you want to learn how to win in these NBA streets, that's it, man. That is, when we talk about why we want teams to shoot more threes, get it done. Yeah, and the Bulls were shooting them. I think they had shot 33 at the half, well, but but they don't have
3: a lot of great three-point shooters. Vooch is shooting, what, 26% I mean, especially,
4: from three? That's especially terrible. Especially when Zach Levine is out. Like, what do you expect to happen there? Your, your biggest uh, three-point threat is is not playing. Kobe White, obviously, but he's got to kind of tell himself to take more threes, and he only shot 33% last night from three. three.
3: Yeah, I, I think Actually,
4: the, no, right at 30.
3: The 3%. usage of... Kobe White is concerning to me because it, it does seem like he understands that he has to do more. And so we, we we go through these like fits and starts of like he's incredible, and then he has a couple of games where his legs are gone because he's doing so much for the Bulls. Do you think that Zach gets traded by by the eighth? Wow, that silence is deafening. No. Okay, why? Maybe this will change your mind. Let's hear what Casey Johnson said about the possibility. There have been a couple of stories. The Athletic have reported there have been conversations between the Bulls and the Pistons. Here's what Casey is hearing about whether or not the Bulls will be able to kind of move Zach Levine. Oh, we don't
2: have it. All right, right, we'll get to it. Well, look, the recovery to me is a setback because originally he's going to be out a week or two. Now he's not only going to only be reevaluated the 2-week mark. This to me is clearly stretching to the trade deadline. They can call it what they want. And look, Zach is injured. We saw him roll the ankle, but come on, man. I mean, if you're holding him out and reevaluate them on February 1st, the trade deadline's February 8th. I, to me, it's tied to the trade deadline. They obviously want to protect that asset. I could be wrong, but that's where I see it. And that's why we, you know, Billy Donovan was asked flat out pregame, you know, has Zach Levine played his last game in a Bulls uniform? Now, obviously he's not gonna answer that. But uh, with the rumor now that the Pistons and Bulls have talked, which I have been able to confirm, um, you know, we're going to see where this goes. Uh, To me, the question is, how low do the Bulls go? Because you're not going to get, you know, knock your socks off or wow you offer from the Detroit Pistons. So you're going to have to maybe settle if you really want to move Zach Levine. That's a conversation I think will intensify as we get closer to February 8th.
3: That's from NBC Sports Chicago. I don't think that the Bulls necessarily want to move Zach Levine. It's just the inertia of what had happened with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports at the beginning of the season kind of made it seem like Zach wanted to go elsewhere. I, they're so stuck, Layla. I, I don't know what to what the right course of action. Like ordinarily, when we're talking about teams, I usually have like a cut and dry, like this is the way that this should go. The, this is, this the way. is the way with the Bulls this year. I don't I don't have that. Like I understand why they don't want to make a bad trade for Zach Levine. So should you trade him just to trade him? And to me, that's no.
4: I think they committed to all three when they decided to keep Vooch. I know that that doesn't make sense on its face, but think about it. I feel like they committed to all three when they decided to keep him. But here's just, here's what's funny is Have you seen all the Lakers fans, like, clamoring for DeMar, too?
3: Yes. DeMar and Alex Caruso is who they want.
4: Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. (laughs) Should have just kept Alex Caruso. Yeah, you had the chance. And it would have been less expensive. (sighs) It's just, as much as we love this league, and Kevin Durant put it the other day, the problem for Zach Levine's trade market is There are excellent players on every team. So how does that contract and his relative play fit in with the elites of this league? Why is Detroit being the team discussed right now? After what D'Angelo Russell did, how much do the Lakers actually want to trade him? Right. This is changing, I think, with every single game for the teams that are hovering around 500.
3: But it just doesn't feel like... I like... I like... Each guy's game individually. And I do like the growth of Kobe White. I just don't think as a collective, it works. And if you're going to extend DeMar, I I love DeMar. I think that DeMar is an incredible basketball citizen for the city of Chicago. He's also going to be, what, 35?
5: Th- like
4: he's, I don't think he's 34 yet.
5: And you're, you're, he's 34.
4: Yeah. He is When you're, did he turn 34? He turned oh, 34
5: August. last yeah. August. Yeah. Okay.
3: You're, you're talking about extending a player that's going to be in year like 17 and 18 of his career. That's without a lot of draft capital and knowing because you're in the play in, you're not going to end up with better draft capital more than likely. It's hard for me to see a way out of it if this stays the same, but I don't want them to to chase bad decisions with more bad decisions. So it's just, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, as a Bulls fan, I'm just like I don't know what to do.
4: And they rotate the the pieces around it, and and how have you seen that work? It, I mean, well, Carter is a good question. Like that, that's a discussion that we need to have at some point.
3: the The problem to me is they should take a bow for the drafting and the development of Kobe White. But you really wish that it was Patrick Williams who was doing some of this stuff.
4: They didn't draft Kobe White.
3: That's right. They developed him, though.
4: They did did not draft him. And Peter Patton is the one developing him, and they hired Peter Patton. Yep. And that's, that's the other piece of this is in the second quarter, when you needed people to step up defensively and the Lakers go on a run, you need to be able to count on your four because your five is an offensive guy. You need your stops.
3: Yep. Uh, speaking of Peter Patton, a Texer says, should DePaul interview Dawn Staley?
4: Yeah, I saw that. I thought that was a really. Uh, yes. That would be amazing. Y-
3: yes. They should 100% call Dawn Staley and ask her if she would be interested in coaching a men's team. And here's a check. Yeah. yeah but I'm not write just, your number down but here's the thing I don't think that
4: the check that they could offer her is more than the check that she's already making probably not and man she's just it's it's really fun to me to see the way ESPN is presenting a lot of the South Carolina games too with a special crew and I just think the world of L Duncan I me too. I love that. Like I, I love how they're telling you this is special and here's why and people are into it. But I've thought for a long time that uh, that basketball fans will be there for the stars in the women's game, too.
5: Dawn Staley's contract, seven years, $22.4 Yeah, million.
3: yeah she's making about the ceiling of what DePaul is talking about offering a coach.
5: $3.2 million a year.
3: Now.
4: A little cheaper to live in South Carolina, too. Yeah.
3: Isn't that crazy? If we, want, if we want Dawn Staley to be DePaul's men's coach, they can't afford her. Shout out to Dawn Staley.
4: Wow. Get Rashad burno on the line. Or Bryce Drew. You know, you bring up a good point with Coach Burno.
3: The little general. I mean, you know, I watched him play at DePaul.
4: I also think that they should talk to D Brown. I think that I hope somebody is listening to you right now. I've got a whole list of I I told DePaul if they
3: need someone to help and be on the search committee. I got some ideas and thoughts.
4: Is that a House of L podcast or is that a segment?
3: I did one pod on it last week, but I appreciate the texture for expanding my mind because absolutely if you could have a conversation with Don, I would bring Don Staley in and just be like, Hey, could you tell me what's wrong? Like we're interested in hiring you but we can't but in this hour that we're going to talk can you just tell me
4: just tell me what you see As an elite observer of basketball by the way you yes! got you got somebody who shares Win Trust arita with you who also probably knows a few things I I agree She's coached at many levels of the game I, Just just go say hey
3: Don what do you think what do you think We'll pay you a fee how much? How much does Don charge for appearances? Because I'd be like, "Hey, Don, we're gonna pay you fifty thousand dollars to just come in here and consult on the men's program. What do you think we should do?
4: Help us, please! Please help us, Don Staley! Please." Okay, when I, we come Doug's, back, Don Staley and Doug Bruno would be uh would be the the cool kids combo.
3: It is. But, I mean, Dawn, as far as, like, profile goes, she's doing the commercials with Coach K. She's doing the Affleck. Like, she's doing the Dion, Nick Saban thing with her and Coach K. Help my program. When we come back, (laughs) Joe Ostrowski is going to join us, and I'm looking forward to talking with Joe because it's Championship Sunday. He's going to tell you some of the things that he's thinking about how to wager this weekend.
4: Also, like NFL player awards. I want to know about those lines, too.
3: I love it. We will do both of those things and more next on the score.
1: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.
6: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score
0: and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station.
7: I have a daily sports betting show.
0: We couldn't live without Joe (laughs) Ostrowski. He's got a lot of Herbert Hoover in him. I got to tell you that
7: one.
4: I still laugh about that more than I should. It was just the funniest gift of a text on the text line. (laughs) Hey, guys, Joe Ostrowski looks like Herbert Hoover. (laughs) I think it was Todd and Dwight, our favorite Browns fan. I hope he's doing okay. He's got
3: a little Herbert Hoover in him. And he's also got winners, I think, for people. Or good ideas on how you should approach going with your sports betting weekend. He is Joe Ostrowski. He's a good man, and he's thorough. And you can catch him on BetQL. He does a great job there. And, of course, early odds here on The Score. What's up, Joseph?
7: Uh, in the younger days when the White Sox were relevant, it was A.J. Pruszynski, but now it's turned to Herbert Hoover. See what aging does to us.
4: Does that just mean you bleached your hair?
7: Oh, I had the na- the stupid part down the middle. It was the whole thing. Oh,
4: on. my word. I was not <laughs> expecting an actual admission. That's yeah, terrifying. Yeah. Uh it is. I guess since this was on my mind, we're gonna talk about championship Sunday, of course. But mm-hmm. I want to know if there's been any movement on NFL player
7: awards too. Okay, so yeah, I've been looking at these odds every week all season long. But the thing is after that last game, they take them down. But I do remember where we were as far as the favorites on on any award. And, Le- Layla, the interesting thing is I think most of them, at least according to the odds, were kind of decided. But I'm also not going too far with that because uh, you need to remember that a lot of these awards, the voting changed this year. You know, for the MVP for so long, it was just vote on one guy. This is going to be your winner, one vote. Now you've got to rank them, and they have a point system. So it's going to be a little little different. I, once the uh, voting comes out, I'm curious to see, are there any guys, any players that win awards that didn't have the most first-place votes? Because that that's a possibility now that they've changed things up.
4: Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I just felt like after what, you know, I know that they close at a certain time, but after what we saw, I don't know if, like, any post-discussion comes out or not before the actual award gives, but still.
7: So it, it, the ones that I think are decided – that seemed to be, especially at the end, Lamar took over. It It's going to be Lamar as a two-time MVP. That'll be the last award coming up on that Thursday night, and that, that's what everybody's expecting at this point. As far as the finalists, like think it was nice. Christian McCaffrey got a mention there. Um, some of the other guys, Brock Purdy, but they don't have a chance the way Lamar ended up closing out the season. For offense player, it was a two-player race all year long, And in the end, I think it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. It was between McCaffrey and Tyreek the majority of the season. Offensive rookie is fascinating because Puka broke every receiver record for a rookie, and he's not going to win the award. It just looks like it's going to be C.J. Stroud. He missed a little bit of time at the end, but the numbers were so overwhelming. Um, Our friend Paul Aspen is in deep on this one. He's going to sweat this one big time. Comeback player of the year. The odds say it's going to be DeMar Hamlin, but there were different quarterbacks that were popping up at, at the end of the season. It was Joe Flacco. There Did a Gardner time... Minshew pop up at any point? No, it was Flacco. Uh, Baker got some run. Yeah. I was curious crazy. about
4: Baker for sure.
7: Stafford uh, Tua because going into the year, it was, Oh yeah, Tua's good, but he's not going to play the entire season. Well, he played the entire season, uh, but he wasn't really mentioned. And then, You know, for voters, they've got to compare that to a real-life story, a miraculous one. DeMar Hamlin like almost died on the field, and then he ended up playing. He played a little, but he still ended up playing. I felt like that was done once he got onto the field. And then I guess one that stands out is Coach of the Year. So Stefanski ended up being the big favorite because – Playoff team, five seed, used four different quarterbacks. They had something working with uh, the last quarterback and Flacco. Lose Nick Chubb early in the season. It was just one thing after another, and they still were fantastic. And I'd say the one that's up in the air, guys, is defensive player of the year. I have no idea. I have no idea. There isn't any one category. But Okay, this is sack guy. He's clearly the best. It feels like it's down to three guys. It could be Garrett. It could be Parsons. It could be T.J. Watt. It it sounded like that. It felt like that
3: what we were seeing is a lot of people saying that that Miles Garrett was the guy. And then, of course, not that the the injury should take him out of it, but T.J. Watt getting injured. It felt like there was a lot of smoke that just kind of dissipated with him after that happened. I've been feeling like it's going to be be Miles for the whole time, but maybe
7: I'm wrong. I think it's going to be Garrett. I think you're right. And the deciding factor will probably be, okay, Watt, great year, great numbers, just like always. He's already won the award. Steelers weren't a great defense this year. Um, Cowboys, really good defense. Not sure that they were on that great level. Um, And Parsons, he was probably expected to get more sacks than he ended up with. So I think you're right. Like over the course of the year, Garrett was on the much better defense and we saw him take over games. So let's talk about this weekend. Let's start with the
3: AFC game first. Sure. What's interesting to you inside of that game?
7: That sharp betters have moved this number from three and a half to four. It was three very early in the week for a short period of time. And now we're at four. They all seem to be on the Ravens. The... The betting angle, if you talk to a numbers person that just breaks down the matchups and the numbers of these teams with, with a large sample size of so many games at this point, they'll tell you that this number should be higher. That the only reason it's three and a half or four is because of Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. It's a great, great record. Did it again last week. He's an underdog against the Bills. They end up winning the game. There's been 11 games in Mahomes' career. He's been an underdog. He is 9-1-1 against the spread. Jeez, He's won eight of the 11 games straight up. Underdog to win the game, they win the game eight out of 11 times. Uh, So that's fascinating. Matchup-wise, the Ravens are the number one run-heavy offense in the NFL, and that's where the Chiefs really struggle. Their defense is good against the pass but they cannot stop the run so the expectation is that's what the Ravens are going to do and we saw Lamar run it a lot more last week than we have pretty much all season ran for 100 yards two rushing touchdowns and when you look at mobile quarterbacks in the playoffs guys, they end up running it a lot more when everything's line in the, in the postseason so Lamar rushing touchdown Lamar rushing yards very popular bet uh that part's interesting and also, You know, the Chiefs, a lot of people are taking a look at the offense and thinking, oh, they flipped the switch, right? It's playoff time. They're doing great now. I would push back on that a little bit. Yes, they are scoring more. They had a lot of struggles in the regular season. But look at the teams they played. They played Buffalo off five days of rest compared to seven for themselves. Uh, The Bills were missing four key starters. And in the first playoff game, the Miami Dolphins, they were missing six defensive starters in that in that game so been a couple soft matchups going to be a tough one against this ravens defense
4: i i think the ravens win i don't
7: I know i do too i just yeah. do like i think they cover you think they win by at least 4 <laughs>
4: That's that's the rub, right? That's trying to yeah. figure it out. Uh, it's so I always wild to like to three because that's the classic NFL difference. You know what I mean? So
3: betting against Patrick Mahomes just seems stupid.
4: Statistically, it proves to be a bad idea.
7: Yeah. Yeah. But I'm leaning into in my
4: bad ideas.
7: <laughs> Twenty twenty-four.
4: Let's do it. Let's lean su- in. I said support more in twenty-four, and that includes me and my bad idea today. But after the performance the, Ra- uh, the Ravens had, I just it was it was a little close for like a minute against the Texans, and then they just turned into like domination mode. And I don't know how much last week is going to take out of Kansas City. They're they're battle tested, that's for sure. But
7: mm-hmm.
4: Ravens just look like they were in cruise control.
7: Yeah, so the the interesting angle with that game is what D'Amico Ryan decided to do in the first half. He doesn't send pressure that much. And then last week, he sent Lamar the, the highest blitz rate he's ever seen. 71% of the time, they were coming. And then they made their adjustments, and in the second half, the Ravens took off. The one other big reason I, I go Baltimore in this one is look at what they've done against – Top competition this year. Like we're used to laughing at teams like the Cowboys and the Dolphins. Oh, when they play good teams are terrible. You're a bunch of bumpslayers, right? But with the Ravens, when they play title contenders, that's when they play their best ball. They swept the Texans, outscoring them 59 to 19 in their two games. They smashed the Lions this year. 38 to six. Remember they destroyed the, the Niners by a couple of scores late in the year. They put 56 up on Miami. It's this is when they're playing their best. So uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the reasons I'm on the Ravens in this spot. How do you feel about the NFC title game? NFC. There's another game. The line's going up. Most places are at seven, but now it's starting to get to seven and a half. in a lot of spots. All right, the uh this Lions defense is just pathetic. Like how are they here? How how did this happen? Well, it happens when Jared Goff gets a controlled environment in back-to-back games and that's that's what they did. They put themselves in that position. They got a couple of home games um beating the Bucks and the Rams. Good on them. They were outgained in both games. They gave up over 400 yards in those two games. They yeah. they allowed the second most yards per game throughout the season. And that's what I keep going back to is Shanahan's offense going to struggle again, like they did against the Packers this week. The difference is the conditions look perfect guys. So does that help golf more or does it help purdy? I think it helps purdy because I guess we've learned this guy can't play in the rain. It's a smaller sample, but he has really had a lot of issues like he did last week. It's, it's sounding like 70 degrees, perfect conditions And I think that's going to help the San Francisco offense uh, going up against Detroit. The Debo question is certainly fair. We don't know if he's going to be out there. If he's out there, is he going to be a decoy or what? And there, and there are some numbers that people have been pointing out. Like, look when Debo's out there and finishes the game, they're 12 and one, but when he hasn't, or he gets injured during the game or is out they're one and four straight up. Oh, and five against the spread. But the other part of that, stat that people don't bring up is those games Debo missed Trent Williams also wasn't out there so you're missing maybe your two best players on the team you know aside from maybe Christian McCaffrey in in those games so that is certainly part of that sample size but I, I like San Francisco a lot just matchup wise I there's a blowout possibility as far as I'm concerned and that's why the point spread is seven points
3: Joe, as always, we thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have fun on Championship Sunday. Thanks, guys. You do the same.
4: Thank you, Joe.
3: That is Joe Ostrowski. Check him out on BetQL. You can check him out on Early Odds here on The Score. He will send you in the right direction when you're thinking about sports betting. He's just a smart dude who understands what's going on. High Noon is next.
4: What you got? Okay, so I thought that I had the offeratory from you.
3: Oh, but No no, we can just we can just do mine and you review it.
4: I have quite the caper if we have time for it.
3: Alright, we can do both of those things next on the score.
2: You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2. Your midday destination for Chicago talk On 670
0: the score. In Odyssey Station, I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there. Out in the street front of the palace alone. Yeah, right. When? High noon?
3: High noon! We do it every day around this time, and we started off by letting you know what we've talked about.
4: What did we talk about? We talked
3: about Championship Sunday. We asked people if they were going to be able to cheer for the Lions this weekend. This
4: is the real one, Super Bowl Sunday. The we, re- it's for us, the real football fans. That's
3: right. Those of us that are in these streets, we... Played Who You Crapping with a tweet about Luke Getze. Because, come on, fam. We talked about the Bulls and the possibility of trading Zach Levine. I also suggested, because of a texter, that DePaul's men's program should call Don Staley just to have her take a look around and see what's wrong with the place.
4: That was a text born idea today. It's a bravo, good Bravo, text line. Bravo. And
3: we talked with Joe Ostrowski about betting this weekend. all the bears.
4: George Kittle just seems awesome. That's all. Uh, okay. Just because they're Amish doesn't mean they don't believe in the law. Oh. A woman is arrested after she stole their horse and buggy from a Michigan Walmart. What the hell did you think you were doing? Did you know how to drive the thing? I bet you didn't. Police in Sturgis, Michigan, 90 miles south of Grand Rapids along the Indiana border, were called to a local Walmart on Saturday after an Amish family reported that their buggy and horse had been stolen. That is cruel. A truck driver parked nearby told investigators he saw it happen and gave a description. It was a 31-year-old woman. They said they saw her earlier that day at the Walmart. They did not detail the circumstances surrounding the encounter. The suspect is yet to be arraigned, but she's expected to face charges of larceny and larceny of livestock, The horse and buggy, though, have both been returned to the family, seemingly unharmed. That's cruel, man. Very. What did you think you were getting away with? You can't hide. You're in a horse and buggy.
3: Yeah, you're probably not going to be able to outrun people. Well, people you can outrun, but not people in
4: cars. Yeah, you have one horse. That's one horsepower. Correct. That's how that works. Yep. So, when my uh, roommate, who's from Lancaster, Pennsylvania... That's how um, they
3: say it right Yes
4: when I would uh, travel with her to see her family we did we did have an overpass there where we would get a horse and buggy crossing. I went
3: to a, a wedding in Central Illinois that I was able to roll through Arthur Illinois and see some some of the nice Amish folks that are just trying to do their thing and hang out. It's always a good reminder of, of some stuff. Quilting, just elite quilting. Yeah, but if you've ever been down to Arcola, Tuscola, you know, the Cola Wars,
5: um, and Arthur, you can you can see some things. My parents' kitchen table is Amish made.
4: Oh, that's never... I thought Dude, you were going to say your gonna... parents
5: were Amish. And no. I was like, wait no. a minute.
4: That's going to yeah, last generations. That's, that's got yeah, to be a that, heck of a table. The,
5: they've had the same kitchen table my entire life.
4: It, I bet it's really nice. It
5: looks... Spectacular. Does it like, have
4: the like tongue and groove construction on the legs? I bet it does.
5: Uh, sure. Do Maybe.
6: they also have an Amish-made fireplace? Is
5: they don't have a
4: fireplace.
3: Thing?
6: It's a thing.
5: Did
3: Marshawn Lynch come over to your house and and tell you that the Amish Amish are out here cheating because they're using batteries?
5: Not that I'm aware of.
3: Did you ever did you ever see that?
4: I mean, I understand the concept.
3: Well, he did a whole bit. He did a bit for uh, for Prime, for Prime where he went and hung out with the Amish and he's like, y'all got batteries, y'all cheating.
6: It's it's a funny watch. It's a very it very, very so worth entertaining. your time.
3: Very very funny watch. Okay, so I've been saving this for a few days because I missed the opportunity to share it with you on Wednesday.
4: We had a lot going on,
3: but since I knew you were going to be here on Friday, I figured that you might enjoy Tina Fey trying to teach Jimmy Fallon. A Philadelphia accent.
7: Did you get your Philly accent
6: back? Uh, it came back immediately. Actually, like, uh, Amy, everyone was, was like, You really? I was like, Oh, well, yeah, I get home and I'm tired. And then, like, once I'm around people I know, it's like, it's out. It's all happening. Oh, my God. And I actually was, like, taunting the crowd in Philly and, like, doing Philly jokes for them. And I was saying how, like, one of the great things about Philly is our insane accent, that it's, you know, and no one can do it. And I, I, was can't. There, I was like, I tried to teach Jimmy Fallon this accent, and he's, like, one of the greatest impressionists in the world. And you can't do it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: so bad. I'm so
7: bad. What is it like?
6: <laughs> we did that I I,
7: I, I, I want to go get some hoagies yeah, and some wooder.
6: Yeah, wooder and hoagies. Say wooder and hoagies. Uh, wooder and hoagies That's over
7: it. at the Piggly Wiggly?
6: We don't have those. We no, have you Ac- don't have those. <laughs> yeah. No,
7: the Hanky Panky. What's yeah. the name of the store?
6: The Acme. Oh, Wawa. Wah-wah. Yeah. Who said Hanky Panky? <laughs> <laughs> Hanky
7: Panky. Something like that, but Wawa. Yeah, you get some good good wooder over at the Wawa.
6: Um, Close? It's cool. That's pretty good. It's so bad. I used to do it for Rachel Dratch. I would always say, like, German potato salad. That was how I would do <laughs> my imitation of my aunt from Fishtown.
7: Oh, my God. We made
4: that German potato salad. <laughs> Beautiful. None of that is wrong, but I did hear a pretty interesting description of that Acme grocery store that's by Fishtown. Yeah? They called it the Acme. That's a lot of syllables <laughs> and not a lot of letters. Like, yo, dude, I tried to buy that tasty cake over at the Akame.
3: I thought that you would enjoy that.
4: She did a skit on Saturday Night Live that was Philly accent, and it was pretty epic. But to try to teach it, man, that's nearly impossible.
3: Yes, it's a difficult thing to pick up for sure. But,
4: but she was already talking like that in it was the interview before right. they actually got to the bit.
3: Which is what makes <laughs> it really, really funny. She
4: said, "home" and I lost it.
3: That's right. That is High Noon. We <laughs> do it every day around this time. Coming up, Fishy Business.
4: Tanny heard Philly accent and he immediately came into the control room. Well, he gets it. Control room.
3: Fishy Business is going to join us. We'll ask him what he thinks of Shane Waldron, and we'll talk with him about the upcoming Championship Sunday and if any of it has anything to do with the Bears.
4: I, we got to talk to him about that Northwestern Illini game, too.
3: And Woo. and strangely enough, about DePaul firing their coach because he's a fan of both teams. Hmm. Yeah. I think I want to say Kevin Fishbane's family were DePaul's season ticket holders for forever.
4: Can I just submit this before we go? Sure. I was at the A-10 tournament, as they call it, and the audio guy was from Baltimore, and he goes, Oh, no, I hope they didn't spill any of the water on my audio equipment. And I nearly lost it and immediately texted a friend.